Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. Hey, this is Bridget. And this is Annie. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Now today, it's 420. Yay! It's actually not 420, but by the time you listen to this, it will be. That's true, and we we can't say for sure when you're listening to this. Oh. But it it came out, it debuted on 420. Thank you. Of the year 2018. So if you're listening to this in the year 3030. On 420. Oh. Wow. What a queen! Congratulations on being a time traveler. <laughs> yeah, you're probably like, am I high? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so we wanted to do an episode commemorating the day. Annie, did you happen to catch the viral gubernatorial candidate Cynthia Nixon's video about marijuana? I did not, Bridget, actually. So basically, if you don't know, Cynthia Nixon, a.k.a. Miranda from Sex and the City, mm-hmm. uh, redhead, fiery, mother to Brady, wife to Steve. I watch the show religiously in case you can't tell. Uh, She's running for governor of New York. She actually seems like she's doing a great job. A friend of mine, Nicole Arrow, is running her campaign. Shout out to Nicole. Cool. Um, And she put out a video about marijuana. Here's what she had to say. I believe it's time for New York to follow the lead of eight other states and D.C. and legalize recreational marijuana. There are a lot of good reasons for legalizing marijuana. But for me, it comes down to this. We have to stop putting people of color in jail for something that white people do with impunity. 80% of the New Yorkers who are arrested for marijuana are black or Latino, despite the fact that whites and people of color use marijuana at roughly the same rates. So that's what she had to say. Uh, People are pretty excited about her campaign. They were already pretty excited, but now they're even more excited that she came out as pro-legalization of marijuana for New York. And it's actually kind of interesting, right? New York is a pretty liberal state. You would think that um, it would already be legalized, but it's not. Yeah. Um, over on my other podcast, Food Stuff, we also have a 420 episode on edibles. And I, I was trying to research um, all the laws in the United States, versus, um, recreational versus medicinal, and whoa, did I get confused? And it sounds like nobody's really sure what's going on. 
Exactly. So let's back up a little bit. So it turns out that about 6 in 10 Americans, that's 61%, say that the use of marijuana should be legalized. Now, this is data from the Pew Research Center. And it is actually pretty confusing about where it's legal, in what way it's legal, how it's enforced across the country. It's a little bit confusing. So here are some baseline facts that even us as non-legal scholars can agree are the facts. Earlier this year, uh, recreational marijuana became legal in California, which is the most populous state in the country. Uh, In 2012, Colorado and Washington State became the first states to legalize marijuana for recreational purposes. So that means you could just go to a store, buy a joint, and smoke it on the street just for funsies. Wow. Yeah, imagine. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Since then, seven more states and Washington, D.C. have followed, although Vermont and D.C., while allowing marijuana possession and growing, continue to bar sales for recreational purposes. Now, as someone who lives in D.C., I can tell you, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, Annie. D.C. kind of operates in this kind of, I guess you would call it a weird legal logistical gray area. Technically, it is legal to possess marijuana in Washington, D.C. It is not technically legal to smoke it in public, although if you are smoking it in public, the worst that can happen to you is a ticket. Um, police have to actually see you smoking. If they see smoke and they assume you're smoking, they can't do anything, but if they they have to, like, actually see you smoking to, um, you know, right. stop you. Mm-hmm. Also, it's still technically illegal to buy it, but what that means is D.C. now operates on this Kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge system where you can buy it, but it's like a, it, you know, it's it's like a gift. Like, oh, you're actually oh, buying sure. the lighter, Yo, but we're doing our promotion right now, yeah. and with the lighter comes a free yeah. joint. You know, it's like so. It's a little bit like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's basically legal. Um, I should also point out that um, it is still legal on federal land. And so in D.C., a lot of land is federal. So sometimes, you you know, if you're on one part of the sidewalk, you're not on federal land. If you're on another part of the sidewalk, you are on federal land. Whoa. So that can be a little bit tricky. Yeah. But for the most part, in D.C., it is legal, even though it's exactly what you were talking about earlier, where it's that kind of tricky, confusing. Like people I know who smoke weed and live in D.C. still don't know the specifics of how the legislation works because it is confusing. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention it's still illegal on the federal level. Exactly. So there's the whole problem of how do these legal businesses in their state operate? I mean, it's tax season as well. Uh, They, from what I understand, um, all the profit has to be in cash or something like it's just very convoluted, complicated. I've also read that in some states um, it is illegal to smoke it in public. But, and that's why edibles are so popular is because it's hard to say if someone's eating a brownie. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that um, that industry in particular is seeing exponential growth. That is interesting. You know a little something about edibles, don't you, Annie? <laughs> what are you implying, Bridget? <laughs> All right, we'll move on, we'll move on, we'll move on. <laughs> so interestingly enough, there's been new legislation introduced in two states, Utah and Oklahoma, to legalize marijuana. Now, those are two of the most conservative states in the country, which really seems to indicate that as a country, we are moving more toward legislation and less toward cracking down on people for smoking weed. Right. And going back to the federal level, the Trump administration has been Iffy on the issue, in January, Attorney General Jeff Sessions rescinded an Obama-era memo that effectively protected states that had legalized marijuana from federal intervention. 
Since marijuana remains illegal at the federal level for any purpose, the Obama memo signaled to states that they could proceed with reforms without the constant threat of the feds raiding state legal businesses. Sessions' move, however, revived the possibility of federal intervention, telling prosecutors they could crack down on marijuana even if it's legal under state law. But over the past week, Trump promised not to go after marijuana suppliers and users who are obeying their state laws. So it's like... I know. It's hard to say. And I'm someone who I don't trust Trump, as y'all know. And so I'm like, oh, you said this? We'll yeah, see. That's so, how you were feeling that. Day. Exactly, exactly. I'm like, I'll give that a, I'll give that a, we'll see how, where, how it goes yeah. um, in my book. Uh, but something to know is that even John Boehner, remember him? Yeah. Well, the former Speaker of the House, who once said that he was, quote, unalterably opposed to legalization, has recently, quote, evolved on the issue. And he announced that he'd be joining Acreage Holding, a group that cultivates and distributes cannabis across 11 states and hopes to roll back federal restrictions on the drug. So even him, even... Old stick-in-the-mud banner is oh. coming around on the issue. Yeah, he evolved to seeing there's money to be made. I mean, listen, the only color that matters is green. <laughs> <laughs> well, that works on two levels. I just got it, Bridget. <laughs> wow, you're really it's a re- slow reaction time. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't appreciate the implications. Listen, y'all, I got to level with you. If you listen to earlier iterations of the show— you know that sometimes we'd have episodes that are all around somebody's unpopular opinion. And I don't think I ever really waded into the unpopular opinion territory. I hope that we'll get some good Annie unpopular opinions going forward. But today is a Bridget unpopular opinion. And that opinion is, I hate Gore 20. And I'll tell you why after this quick break. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. 
Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. And we're back. I just revealed my unpopular opinion. You're probably, a lot of y'all are probably surprised by this. I'm a pretty um, chill person, obviously. <laughs> I, I have no problem with marijuana or drug use at all. I, I'm very pro, but I hate 420. And let me tell you, I don't just hate 420. I hate shows that glorify weed. I don't like anything on Vice. It's like, hey, let's make a turkey dinner, but then like put weed in it. I hate that. I hate that so much. Like it, when I see commercials for it, it makes me cringe. I hate sort of trend articles that are like, oh, look at these moms who are driving the carpool, but also smoke weed. I hate that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> it, 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 like, boils my blood. Basically, I hate almost anything to do with weed and popular culture. There are exceptions. Uh, lot, most music. Yeah. Um, probably the second season of that show, Weeds, which I did the enjoy. Specifically. <laughs> well, if you watched Weeds, you know it, like, went off the rails. And... It really did. Did you watch it? I, I did. I couldn't tell you which season is the second season, but I remember when that, like, her kid shot that person. Yeah, Pilar. Yeah. <laughs> And they go to Mexico, and there's that weird underground tunnel yeah. with the, like, this is kind of going off the rails, but it is related, kind of. The series finale of the show, Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I've never seen a worse series finale. It's so bad. Where it's like, well, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Weeds, <laughs> but that was like 12 years ago. It fasts forward 20 years into the future, so they're, they're like, on, they're like in hover cars, and it's, you know, it's the future. Uh-huh. And Nancy Botwin basically opens the Starbucks of weed, you know? Oh, it's sure. It's like the weirdest... And the episode before that ends with her in one of the show's typical sort of, oh, how's Nancy going to get out of this one? Like, she's being held up at gunpoint by gangsters. And then the next episode, they don't address how she dealt with that. It's just the future, and everything's fine, and she's rich, and there's flying cars. (laughs) It's the worst. Man, I I watched every episode of that show, and I don't remember that, so I must have blocked it out. must have been high. (laughs) Bridget. Clearly meant okay. to be like, oh, it's the future. We have, sure. we have like wild technology y'all have never seen because mm-hmm. it's year, the year twenty thirty or whatever. It's so bad. If if y'all have seen it, if you've seen, if you basically it's one of those shows that I watched all the way through, and I was like, it. I am owed a series finale. I know it's a bad show, but yeah. I I dedicated a lot of my time to it. I'm owed. I'm owed some wrap up. Mm-hmm. wasn't a, It was not a good choice. I would like to point out that this is the second time you've mentioned the year twenty thirty. <laughs> Or 2031. So whoever is in 2030 listening to this and is high is freaking out right now. Thinks you're trying to communicate to him or her. If you're high right now, please get in touch with me. If you're high, I'm trying to get you a signal. You're right. It's not. It is a pattern. You're right. I'm speaking to you. (laughs) This person's gonna try to travel back in time. Oh man. Oh, this is getting like. Trippy and meta. It is. Yeah. It is. I didn't know it was going to go this way. Yeah, we've, we've like we've gone into some interesting territory. stoner territory. We really <laughs> I like have. it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're probably thinking, wow, Bridget is the biggest buzzkill of all time. Not only is she on the series finale of Weeds, <laughs> she doesn't she? even like 420. <laughs> and here's why. So I have no problem with smoking weed, obviously, but let me hit y'all with some truth as the resident 420 buzzkill. According to the Drug Policy Alliance, 
Women are now the fastest growing segment in the U.S. prison population, largely because of crappy drug laws. Two-thirds of women doing time in federal prison right now are there because of nonviolent drug offenses. And so, you know, I love I I think drugs are cool. I mean, I'll say it. I <laughs> think like as long as you like use it responsibly, like I I'm, you know, but it's hard for me to see stats like that and kind of take part in the 420 hoopla, right? Like, it just doesn't feel right for me. Um, Further, there are all these, I mean, I don't need to tell y'all, but there are all these heartbreaking stories. There was one that really sticks with me. This woman, Patricia Spotted Cow, she's an indigenous mom of four who got a felony charge for a $31 marijuana sale during a sting operation. And it resulted in a 12-year prison sentence when she was only 25. And so, you know... These stories, I hear. I, I'm sure that a lot of y'all hear them. If, if you're someone who pays attention to this issue at all, it's probably not surprising to hear that people who are marginalized are the ones who are locked up more, the ones who have their families destroyed more, deported more. There is this author, uh, Ellen Comp. She wrote Token Women, a 4,000-year history. She's also the current deputy director of California Normal. And one of the things that she writes about is how, for a long time, women and smoking was sort of a stigmatized thing. And I would argue it still is. And one of the reasons that women face stigma or maybe worry about using marijuana is because they worry about the government interfering with their parenting. And so if you get busted smoking weed, the concern is that you might have your kids taken away from you by Child Protective Services. And so, you know, I I obviously don't have a problem with drug use in and of itself. But it's like when I see things like, oh, yoga moms do yoga between bong ribs. It's so difficult for me to see that and be like, oh, that's cool, celebrate that, and not think about the disparities. Think about all the people whose lives have been ruined because they wanted to do this, do the same thing that everybody else does, right? Like, we love smoking weed in America. We are a very weed-smoking country. Black people and white people use marijuana at the same rates, and yet the people who are locked up for it are are people who look like me. I do find that... There's an interesting dynamic, or I don't know if that's the right word, with weed that is not there with alcohol, which you can, I I like to use as that helpful comparison. They're different, but they are, you can use it in kind of the same way, um, where with alcohol, you don't have, there's not, I'm sober and completely wasted, and those are your two, only two options. You can be like lightly buzzed or tipsy or wasted, but with, I feel like with weed, it's, (laughs) You're either sober or you're, like, stoned out of your mind. (laughs) There's no—we don't really talk about those in-between spaces. Um, And, yeah, when I was doing the research on edibles, I guess I've always—I'm kind of immature in the sense that I've always thought of, like, you know, your college college pot brownie that you'd take two. Well, don't take two, but that's what I did. (laughs) And you get stoned out of your mind, and that's your goal, like that— there's no in-between. And that comes from, I think, the stigmatization and the fact that it is legal. And there's this whole cycle of recreational marijuana was brought to the U.S. by Mexican immigrants. And it was around the time of the Great Depression. So who do Americans blame but the incoming immigrants? And so that's why they called it marijuana was to like that scary sounding mm-hmm. Mexican oh, word. That sounds exotic. Yeah. And they capitalized on the fear of it. And because of that, it became almost a total black market thing. And we lost 
all of the how to use it, just basic <laughs> knowledge of what it is and how to use it safely. And yeah, and when in the 60s, the swinging 60s, and when white people discovered it and they're like, oh, I actually like this thing, then the laws eased back and they're like, okay, well, oh, well, we'll let people do this more. And then the war on drugs with Ronald Reagan and everything reversed and it became even worse than it was before then. And uh, so I get what you're saying. It's a, it's, it's a real <sighs> shame. And we should think, of, I mean, you should think about these things. We should think about these things. You should be aware of what, I, I'm a big proponent of that in like everything. Mm. You should know where your food comes from and the people that got it to you and how it got to you. And maybe why is it only 20 cents? You know, these are questions you should ask. I just went on a tangent, kind of. Let's no, bring it back. I, to I don't think it is. It's, it's not a tangent because I think that's true. I think the larger point, one that I, I'm hopefully I'm like, sa- like saving the last few cool points that I have. I think the larger point that you just made is is where my anxiety around this comes from, is that we love closing our eyes to this, whether it's fast fashion, like why is this shirt $3? Yeah. Whether it's, you know, why are avocados not grown in the state, but I have avocados here and they're very cheap. Yeah. Why is, you know, we, we like, we, as a, as a society, we like to not ask those questions because it's easier. And of course, like, who wants to ask those questions? You want your cheap shirt. You want your cheap yeah. You want, you know, like, getting high is fun, right? Like, part of it is understandable because we, who wouldn't want to close their eyes to that? But I also think because of that very understandable kind of almost natural inclination, we then don't even ask, you know, who is being arrested for this and why? And what do they look like? Or what is the environmental impact of this, right? Like, you know, when I was living in New York, I, all of my super lefty woke friends all were big cocaine users. I'm like, you know, also very big environmentalists. And if you know anything about cocaine production, that's a tough square to circle. Right. And we, you know what we do? We don't circle that square. We just keep doing cocaine and we move on. We don't deal with it. And I think with marijuana, because it is so glorified in pop culture, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that like, I can't, I can't not see it. I can't, I see, I feel like I see it everywhere. Like, when I see those pot mom stories, you know, like, oh, yoga pot mom, it just feels so isolating because I know people who personally had their children taken away were the exact same thing. And so yeah. it's like for me, because marijuana comes along with this sort of like fun, freewheeling, cool pop culture thing, which I also really hate. Mm-hmm. It just be, it just it's like a it's like I can't do the thing that feels good, which is not ask those questions. It's like those questions are like in my face. Right. Yeah, and it's another unfortunate thing that I I myself am guilty of that I kind of always like chuckle and like make marijuana jokes. I'm really bad about it. I, I love puns anyway, but marijuana has so many it does associated with it. So I make them and it it's part of the immaturity around the whole thing that's in part because of pop culture and in part because it is so stigmatized and we don't talk about it. And there is that image of, like you kind of mentioned earlier, women are afraid to be seen of, of like, the stoner because in our head, that's, like, a dropout or somebody who is on the fast track to prison. Or, like, or, someone who has had their kids taken away. Exactly, right. yeah. We can't even <laughs> have a serious conversation about it. And luckily, we are sort of moving that way, but 
slow goings. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to. I mean, I'm sounding like such a buzzkill, but <laughs> so I'm not gonna say no one should be making marijuana's not funny. Like, don't watch Super Troopers. <laughs> That's awful. You know, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like I, I don't know. I just think that we because of what you just mentioned, stigma. You know, I don't think anybody should have their kids taken away because they smoke pot. And I think that obviously some people have to worry about that more than others. But I think writ large, our inability to talk about marijuana in a way that's, I guess, like what you said, like adult, while also realizing it's fun, it's ripe for humor. Certainly, I, you know, I'm I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Um, But I think that it's like this. It's it's like either one or the other. Either you get to live in a world where marijuana is this funny, fun, freewheeling thing, or you get to live in a world where people have their kids taken away and you get deported. And it's like, I want I want us all to live in the same world where, <laughs> which is we're dealing with it in a realistic way, not have mm-hmm. part of our citizenry live in one world and part of us live in another. But I guess that's not true because there's How High, which is also a funny movie, and they're black. So I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> well, this is your own popular opinion. You get to just have it, and that's that's the beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Annie. This is, I, this is good. I mean, I, I people who know me know that this is a weird hang-up of mine. Mm-hmm. Even as someone who is fine with marijuana use and drug use, but this is a weird hang-up of mine. And every 420, I'm like, oh, Vice is going to do Weed Week, and I'm going to watch every episode. <laughs> you know? I got I to stop watching Vice. Really I, no, I want you to live tweet it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Getting angrier and angrier. I know. Um, over on uh, food stuff, we got to talk to um, Becca Graham from Dope Girls, uh, which is a local uh, zine that gets published, and um, it's all about the intersection of feminism and marginalized people and cannabis culture. And um, if you're interested in any of this, I would go check it out because she had such good things to say, and she was just much more well spoken on it than I am because I am kind of on the fringe of like being high. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> generally, no. On, um, I guess I've always kind of, I'm still in that college mindset, unfortunately, of like it happens to be at this party or whatever. So I don't, I'm not very well informed <laughs> about the goings on. But she was very well spoken, and um, if you're in Atlanta, totally look them up. If if you're not in Atlanta, look them up. But in in Atlanta, they do events and fundraisers and stuff. Well, checking out their stuff, one of the things I love that they're doing, and I I'm, I think this is really f***ing rad, is they're working to kind of bridge that intersection I was talking about earlier. So my anxiety about how we celebrate marijuana comes from what I feel like is a disparity. Clearly, they are people who are, you know, intersectional and, you know, multicultural and working to bridge that gap that that leaves a lot of people feeling a little bit alienated about weed culture because weed, like, weed can be feminist or lots of, there's, We'll talk more about sort of the women who are doing pioneering work in weed. It can be something that helps, you know, bridge cultures. And I think all of that is really, really rad. So I'm happy to see organizations like Dope Girls really being intentional about saying, like, no, we are not going to paint a portrait that fun marijuana use means white white people. We are going to show you the actual faces of people who, you know, smoke marijuana and use marijuana. And we're going to do the work to destigmatize it and we're going to show the reality. We're not going to paint it as this illicit thing, but we're not going yeah. to paint it as quote-unquote sanitized, just white people having a good time either. We're going to show you what it looks like. Right. And one of the things I love about it, um, the zine, is they get a lot of 
um, authors, well-known authors to contribute to it. And not all of them smoke or have edibles. They just, it's just an issue that they think should be decriminalized because it is impacting marginalized people at such higher rates. And I love that, that you can... I, I feel like we just assume if someone's for it, it means that they secretly want to get high or they secretly do get high, which is not always the case at all. And we're just painting, again, with this big brush a multitude of people uh, that we shouldn't. There, there's a lot, there's a lot of um, experiences out there that gets ignored when you do that. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk more about some of the women, like the Dope Girls, who are really pioneering in weed. After this quick break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. And we're back. Annie was just sharing some really cool work done by the Dope Girls here in Atlanta. Women are pretty involved in this booming legal weed industry, though it has lagged a bit recently. In the pot industry, the share of startups owned by women is shrinking, even as female entrepreneurs thrive in small businesses overall. Two years ago, women made up 36% of executives in cannabis-related companies, about average for small businesses on a whole. This year, the percentage of women entrepreneurs was unchanged, but female executives in the cannabis industry dropped to 27%. Now, this is according to information from the Marijuana Business Daily. But even though the numbers have lagged a little bit, there are still some really, really rad women who are rocking the cannabis industry. Yeah. Um, you got women like Dr. Lakeisha Jenkins, who has a doctorate in naturopathy and is a member of the American Herbalist Guild and is a master herbalist and founding board member of the California Cannabis Industry Association. She helped draft the legalization laws that passed in the state of California. I loved hearing about her because we often forget about the hard sciences, I yeah. feel like, when we talk about 
marijuana, and she's a doctor, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, also, there's Wanda James. She became the first black woman to own a pot dispensary. She's a former Navy lieutenant who served on Barack Obama's 2008 Finance Committee. Her and her husband, Scott, a renowned chef, opened the Apothecary of Colorado, and they became the first black couple to open a pot dispensary. I love the name Apothecary of Colorado. Uh, You've got Lynn Lyman, the California State Director of the nonprofit organization Drug Policy Alliance, the leading organization advancing drug policies grounded in science, compassion, health, and human rights. Along with working to fund cannabis research, Lyman's biggest passion is making marijuana and marijuana advocacy communities more inclusive, especially by creating space for those who were a vital part of the weed industry before it was sanctioned by mainstream society. So I got to give it up for her because, you know, when, I mean, Bridget the buzzkill, <laughs> when these, you know, new marijuana laws passed, which I thought were great, part of me was like, yeah, but what about the people who were arrested before? And what about the people who got in trouble because they were trying to take part of this economy and, oh, now it's fine. So I'm happy that people are out there working to bridge that gap and say, listen, if you were a foundational part of this industry before it was cool, I want to work with you. I want to talk to you. I want to I want to see what you're up to because yeah. I just too often I feel like we, you know, we flip a switch and it's like, okay, it's cool now. It's cool now. And the people who are often kind of at the gates, like ready to go with their business license and the money and the capital to like start a business are often white folks and often men as well. And so I like that there are people who are kind of acknowledging that and working to make sure that it's an economy that everyone can take part in and that if you were punished for taking part in that economy before, that you can still be, you know, welcomed in now. Because it just, to me, it just doesn't seem right that folks should, you know, it's like people who are foundational to the industry, you know, getting locked up, losing their businesses, whatever, are just shut out of it now that it's a free-for-all. Yeah. Um, that's another thing we talked about with Dope Girls is that some of the fundraisers, fundraisers they do is um, bailout funds. And um, <laughs> I just talked to them, so it's fresh on the brain. We're not, like, being sponsored by them or anything. Um, Although they seem rad. No, they're I'm awesome. not going to lie. They should send me some products. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they even do sponsorships. But just, just to be clear, transparent here, um, Jessica Peters of Moxie Meds, a CBD-rich line of cannabis tinctures, is a medicine for women by women. Available in a variety of combinations to heal what ails you from anxiety to PTSD to period cramps and pain. Moxie Meds grows their CBD rich flowers following organic standards to create what is known as FECO, full extract cannabis oil, using organic ethanol to extract the cannabinoids and terpenes. You did it. That was a mouthful. I'm so glad I did the research for this ahead of time. Oh, wow, you for for someone with a delayed response time, you really nailed that, Annie. Five to ten hours, it said. I'm like reading it. Come on, come on, come on. That was like watching an Olympic athlete like do a flip. It's like, like, will she stick that landing? Podcast judges say ten out of ten. She did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people are gonna this. People are gonna be like, what is wrong with Annie and Bridget in this episode? Are they okay? <laughs> are they all right? Oh man, we're almost there. Home stretch, home stretch. We got this. Okay. So the last person I wanted to shout out in terms of women who are pioneering the cannabis industry is MJ Freeway. Now Freeway is kind of bridging the gap between two very heavily male-dominated industries, tech and cannabis. MJ pioneers systems that track inventory for growers. 
Her and her partner founded a company in 2010 that provides tools for growing legal cannabis businesses and governments to regulate the industry. So, again, you can be a woman involved in the industry and be a doctor, be someone who makes a strain of cannabis. You can be a software engineer. There are all different kinds of ways to be involved. And I'm just happy to sort of show the diverse arrays of how folks are involved, whether you own a dispensary or you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or you're drafting legislation or you're running a nonprofit. Right. It is not the stereotypical image that most of us probably think of when you think of people who are perhaps enjoying cannabis on 420. What do you think of? People wearing a sweatshirt and a hat? To be honest, I've never even seen Wayne's World, but it's <laughs> Wayne's World. <laughs> like that look. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, this installment of Bridget's Unpopular Opinion. <laughs> We're going to get an Annie Unpopular Opinion so everyone can hate you for a while. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm really excited about that one. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got, some, I've got some very calming stuff that will help you, you know, deal with it. Oh, I'm very <laughs> intrigued to find out more about that. <laughs> and Bridget and I would love to hear from you if you've got any Unpopular Opinions listeners or if... How are you celebrating or not celebrating 420? Um, you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash momstuffpodcast. You can tell I'm never on Twitter because I read the Twitter <laughs> handle. But I'm, I'm aiming to be on there more. www.twi.tt. We're also on Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. Or you can always email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. 420 Blaze It. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.